Welcome to the Young News Podcast with your host, John Phillips, alongside Sean Clapp is via, Sean Clapp is via WhatsApp on this Tuesday, June 13th, 2023. It's sunny, rainy, sunny, rainy type day in South Florida. Uh, for those of you who have not heard before, Sean and I talk, we kind of go over current events, our opinions, our analysis of the day. Um, because I know I also, Sean, actually used this to cover a Bible study that we actually did on the Book of Romans. It was done by uh, a guy actually from the area. And so those of you who get an update and you're like, oh, I can't wait for the next uh, lecture. And all of a sudden you got me and Sean talking this uh, next 30 minutes instead. But I hope you enjoy it. And uh, with that said, Sean, boy, you and I have not spoken, I would say, gosh, eight months, six months, maybe six months. Yeah, it's been and too long. It's been a long, long time. Um, we'll kind of go over, since the last time we spoke, uh, we mentioned a little bit about the Russia-Ukraine situation and, and, and obviously certain cultural movements taking place here in the United States. What I would say is, what I've noticed at least, is how the important news that people are saying is important is actually just distractions. Um, I've noticed more and more that the headlines that you see have absolutely nothing to do with the day-to-day operations of how you live. And so, for example, like what does actually affect you every day? Well, what affects you, Sean, is that when you go to the gas station and you have to fill up your car, the price of gas actually matters. That actually affects you, like right off the bat. When you see your energy bill and you have to pay it at the end of the month, that actually matters. Like that actually has a direct impact on your life. When you go and you buy eggs, when you go and you buy milk. Um, What's very frustrating me, Sean, is that like I look at some of these day-to-day things that really impact us. And instead of us taking those things that truly deeply affect us, like on a daily basis, this should be the top of what people look at on a news uh, station or on the internet. Or on their Twitter feed. Like the actual things that are affecting you on a day-to-day basis. You can't find those, Sean. They're nowhere to be found. Instead, we have these very vague, big words that are 100% meant for us to be distracted. And for people to get away with not being accountable. And so we have words like Trump. We have words like Russia. We have words like LGBTQ. We have all these words and we try to convince ourselves that Oh, like this is important news. Let's check this out. And we spend all our time sharing videos, sharing audio clips. This, he did that. She did this. And it's like, can we please for once just focus on a single item that actually affects people on a daily basis? And maybe if all of us actually focused on that one issue, it could be addressed. But I don't see that happening, Sean, specifically on the energy front, because energy ultimately affects inflation, probably the most, I would argue. With all that said, with all the distractions in the news today, is that kind of how you see it? What what, what are your thoughts when you see the headlines uh, since the last time we spoke? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Johnny. Well, I've learned to uh, essentially essentially take the signal of when there's a big news story that comes up that uh, they, the establishment really wants you to pay attention to. Like, for example, the, the Trump indictments or the UFO whistleblower, you know, leaker uh, from the Pentagon. Usually when that stuff comes out, you got to say, oh, what are they distracting us from? Because it's, there's always, there's always, you know, it's always pay, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Look at this. Look at what we're distracting with. That's usually what goes on. You know, for example... Like the fact that 
they have Biden dead to rights on the Burisma uh, corruption, you know, stuff that could, if investigated, could land him in prison, basically. And instead, the, of course, the corporate media, the establishment media, it's just essentially a mouthpiece for the, for the political establishment. They go, ooh, 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 okay, we need to distract from that. So we need to, we need this, um, uh, we need to basically, okay, we're going to indict Trump on espionage for documents that he was holding on to, even though Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Biden, they all, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi, they've all done the same thing, right? Right. It's, it's, it's just, it's distraction. You know, same thing, same thing with when the Durham report came out, basically revealing that Susan Rice and the State Department and basically the Obama administration basically committed sedition, basically committed sedition and used intelligence to fabricate a story to fabricate the Russia, the Russia Gate story, right? Something right. that media colluded on and went with for four years, you know. Right. Literally, just a lie, and and it's like, uh, okay, um, that is a huge revelation. What do we do to distract from that? Oh well, UFOs, Pentagon, UFOs, aliens, you know. So it's like, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying like that's oh these aren't interesting things also, but you see, and then you see the podcasts and the news. Uh, media outlets who take the bait and you know it's obviously interesting stuff to talk about but it's like every single time one of these big stories or a culture war story comes out they're really trying to push always look look behind look look under the surface and go what is the stuff that's not making the headlines let's let's dig a little bit because they're all they're hiding something from us they don't want us to see so that's how i've been that's how i've been reading it for the past couple years at least you know all all the revelations about the jab for example you know the fact that heart uh i mean literally a a a cdc i mean establishment sources not uh not fringe sources all of the all of the all of the sources that the that the cathedral and the new york times class you know the american aristocracy that they follow have confirmed how danger how, how much uh jab injury uh has uh has been caused and just basically the the devastation of the the lockdowns in the entire uh, COVID regime, right? Yeah. And and yet, and all of that's all public knowledge, and yet it's like, no, 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 we got a Pride Month, we got to hide that underneath all this Pride stuff, and and target uh, basically, you know, indoctrinating kids. We got to talk about scary right wing people who are threatening Target and the boycott on mm-hmm. on Bud Light. You know, we got so it's like, yeah, they're you're obfuscating, you're you're distracting. That's that's how I that's how I see it. As much right. as I love arguing around culture war stuff you can tell they like they like it when we argue culture war stuff right well the burisma situation i think is very easy to me to explain because the fact is that if there's any ukrainian corruption that's going to hurt the ukrainian government both republicans that are supporting the funding of billions and billions of dollars to the country on an endless war that's not going to end up in any not 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 at all the result that we want to see that actually is going to benefit the average American citizen, anything with that's going to be squashed, right? Because at this point, it's war. And I think this is something that's very interesting because what I find during a time of quote-unquote war, how people decide to justify um, immoral behavior. So let's just say, for example, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx gets injured from the vaccine, but can we cover this story? No, because if we cover this story, right? Well, oh no, that'll hurt Pfizer. And Pfizer's a net positive. So if Pfizer is a net positive to our society and we get benefits from Pfizer, covering the story would hurt them. That would hurt the net positive in our society. Therefore, we shouldn't cover it. And I think you see the same thing with Ukraine. We can't 
cover anything that's anti-Ukraine. Because if we do that, then, oh my gosh, that means that Russia might be helped. And if Russia is going to be helped, well, Russia, you know, that means there's a net, and Russia is ultimately a net negative. Anything justifies covering up, not uh, going through with uh, actually seeing through some of the corruption that's taking place inside a country like Ukraine or inside a company like Pfizer. And I think that justification right. is actually very, to me, very much human nature. Like, I get it. Okay, so all of a sudden I have a family member, and I have to die for that family member. I have to make sure I'm there for that family member. I have that family member's back. But they're a little bit crooked. But I, but overall, I genuinely believe that they're more of a net positive than you, Sean. Well, guess what? If they do something that's terrible, I probably won't cover it. Because if I cover it, that means that you're going to be helped. If you're going to be helped and you're more of a net negative than they are, well, then so be it. I'm not going to cover it. And I think as long right. as you have that attitude... And we're going to bring up two countries in particular. We're actually we're going to two topics in particular: the word Trump and the word Russia, right? Mm-hmm. Trump ultimately is a sign of people loving or hating. And the way it works is with the left is anything that helps him we can't cover. Anything that helps him we have to make sure that we squash. We have to make sure that it doesn't come out. And that's been the strategy from day one. Day one, it's if this story helps Trump, we cannot publish it. This happened to be with the Nord Stream pipeline. And the CIA involvement? No, we can't cover that in New York Times. Why? Because that would ultimately help Trump's narrative, not Biden's narrative. Trump is the ultimate evil. So covering this up and not being truthful to the American public is more important than helping Trump win. And you see right. the same thing with Russia. The same exact thing. We would like to cover some of the things that went on with the oligarchs in Ukraine and all the terrible things that took place. But in doing that, we help we help evil Russia. And evil Russia uh, being helped is not worth us being able to uncover corruption and tell people the truth about Ukraine. But here's the catch. What if Trump isn't Mr. Hitler? What if Russia isn't Nazi Germany? What if they're ultimately very similar to us? They have self-interests. They're trying to do, quote-unquote, the right thing in their eyes. And they're going to do their best at trying to gain people, followers, to gain their side of the argument. What if it's not so clear-cut? Now, all of a sudden, we're in a much different scenario. And so I bring up those two guys because ultimately that's been the attitude since day one. And I think a lot of people that are right in the middle on politics have a very big decision to make. Ultimately, you get very stubborn and you say, I hate this guy so much that even if it means we cover up corruption, even if it means that we don't tell the truth to the American people, if that's what it takes to make sure this guy is gone from politics, even if it means that we jail this guy, even if it means, and I, I tell you this, some people believe this, Sean, even if it means that we have to quote unquote take this guy out, Right? There are people in this country that would say that would be a net positive. Like Americans, yeah, yeah. American taxpaying people that would say having him removed from this earth is worth the price of having a corrupt government. Because ultimately a, lo- a world without Trump is a better world. Well, that's a very, very, a very, very disturbing future to live in. If ultimately we're yeah. going to be in a situation where that's what people think about this guy. Because I've learned more and more, and then I'll let you take over, a uh, quick story. Mm-hmm. It's not Trump they hate. It's it's the movement behind him that they hate. They really don't hate Trump. I believe if he was in that back room and he said, look, I'm going to go along to get along. I know I've said some things. I know I've pissed off, off some of you New York libs, some of you neocon Rockefeller Republicans. I have you in a room here. Clintons, McConnells, we're all together in Manhattan. Okay, here's the deal. I went a step too far. Borders language culture. You don't like that message. I understand. I'll behave this time. What do I need to do to get inside your club? Okay, he said, no, I don't want to be inside your club. I don't want that life. I'm going to start something new. Well, here's the deal. If he did go along and they 
ultimately said, kiss the ring, Trump, and he kissed the ring, they wouldn't have a problem with him. They wouldn't have a problem with him because they don't have a problem with Trump. They have a problem for what he stands for. And I'll tell you what he stands for. This is a story I was going to tell you about. I'm at a gas station and I see it. I see a biker, and this is probably not uncommon. You might have seen the same thing. A biker with a with a pro-Trump t-shirt, right? Now, this guy has tattoos. A little bit of a rugged guy, you know? And I'm like, this is amazing. Amazing not in a good sense or in a bad sense, right? But this is absolutely fascinating that a guy who is a... New York, wealthy businessman, a New York, wealthy businessman is able to get the attention of a biker. And not just did he get the attention of a biker, he got the biker to wear a shirt for a New York, wealthy businessman. To me, that's an amazing thing. It tells me that Donald Trump does not just represent Donald Trump. Donald Trump does not just represent a Republican voter. Donald Trump does not necessarily represent an independent voter. Donald Trump somehow, someway has become an icon for the F the system vote. Now, he also obviously might have other people that are besides the F the system vote. But when I see people like a biker who has a Trump shirt where someone on the back of his shirt who does not come from his neighborhood, who does not come from his background, who should on paper have nothing to do with this guy who's on a bike. And yet what happens? He wears the shirt. And so Sean, I'll let you take over from there. But the bottom line is my final my final comment was I saw a biker. He was wearing a Trump shirt, and I think it's hilarious that Trump ultimately tapped into a guy who does not come from his background, who doesn't share the same status, and yet he could take a guy who is a wealthy businessman, a wealthy New York businessman is able to get on the back of a motorcycle biker's t-shirt. I don't know how he I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And to me, that's ultimately why he's a threat to the society. <clears throat> yeah, I mean a, a a New York celebrity, right, makes it into the minds and makes kind of a celebrity status uh, among people who are not associated with that world at all. Bingo. Bingo, you nailed it. Exactly. It's like I can't I can't explain it. I had to laugh. I'm like, I'm looking at the shirt and I'm just like, how wait, like how how this happen? Like, it's really interesting. And I don't know if a lot of people have even thought about that for a second. Because we see the shirts. I'm like, wait a second. So I have this old school pickup truck, like three old school pickup trucks, all with big Trump signs. Donald Trump, the guy who's a celebrity, New York, wealthy, flashy, materialistic, all about money. And you got these old school working class guys in pickup trucks celebrating his name. Something something is happening in rea- something is happening for that to take place. And it can't just be exp- it can't just be explained, well, they just like low taxes. Well, you know, they just want to be left alone. 
I don't I don't buy that. There's something else he tapped into. And I think part of me thinks it's that fact that every time somebody or some institution goes harder, meaner, more evil at his direction, those people get more and more enthusiastic when it comes to that name. I think that's the only way I can describe it is that Every time you put him in a jail cell, every time you take a picture of him being indicted, every time you boycott him from this, every time you decide you're not going to cover him, every time that, you know, you make up a story about collusion with a foreign government, every time you do that, you now take that quote unquote wing of society that's been pushed aside. And now he's become the central figure to represent all those people out there that have gotten screwed over the past couple of decades. Yeah. Um, you know, I've said this before. I've heard this before. I didn't make. I didn't. I wasn't the one who coined this term, this phrase. But uh, I've heard. I think I heard Tim Pool say, "Trump is not the flood; he's the dam." You know, which so it's it's not that Trump is the people aren't following Trump. Trump is essentially kind of a catalyst for this greater kind of America First movement of people who feel like they've been left behind. And who don't want to continue it? They want to, they they want to kind of maintain this American identity, um, and they don't want to join this sort of kind of global citizen club that it seems like the West is marching towards. This kind of weird United Nations, NATO sort of octopus of creepy, communo-fascist, socialist technocracy right like they no i, I think and, you're right and, and, i think that's and, why you and, see and it's gay sometimes that's randomly you know. you'll see like a trump sign in the middle of a nationalist protest in other countries like i think because ultimately sure. his his name is ultimately a re- he is ultimately a representation he's, of a yeah, nationalist movement around the synonymous. world this is and this is a funny thing because it's and and the ukraine war is a wonderful example of the hypocrisy you know the new york times will they will they will laud ukrainian nationalism and laud the fact that young ukrainian men are picking up their uh, guns and fighting against the tyrant right and yet if you were to if you were to say all that stuff about white men in the midwest they would they would lose their minds it's like okay yeah young ukrainian men being nationalistic and patriotic and picking up guns and fighting an invasion. Oh, that's so great. And then but then it's like, oh, but white American men being patriotic and nationalistic? Boo, boo, we don't like that, you know? So it just, it, it, it shows the hypocrisy. Or maybe it's hierarchy, you know? Maybe it's, it's um, the people we allow to be nationalistic. They can be nationalistic. But Americans, no, you can't be nationalistic. What are you, some kind of a crazy right-wing popular, you know? You're right. So if, if it's, if it's if it's for the narrative, right? And and Ukraine, I, I feel sad, sorry for Ukraine because this war could have ended a long time ago. The bloodshed could have ended a long time ago. Boris Johnson was going to Ukraine to basically say, "Hey, make a deal, give him Donbass, you know, whatever you can. We'll we'll pull NATO back, whatever. Some kind of some kind of a withdrawal, some kind of a peace talk." And I mean the. The the uh, I, I don't know who was the what the entity was the deep state essentially right the global deep state said no 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 we're not going to do that we need there to be war against Russia and Ukraine because you know we 
we want to hasten the destruction of Russia or we want, you know, eternal war, whatever. whatever well, it, it also could have been, I think, I think what, from a human standpoint, I think it could have been a very, it could have been a calculation, in my opinion, a miscalculation, which was we think that you going there, you're going there with less leverage than we think you can have in the future. And so ultimately, sure. I think they thought, and it was wrong, and I think so far I've been proven correct, is that they yeah. thought that they could have more leverage in the future. Well, I hate to say it, but they're not gaining more leverage. They're not gaining more no. leverage. Um, no. The reality no. is, is that like you're in a situation where if you don't, if if you don't, as Ukraine and the West pick up some type of severe victory over the next four or five months, winter's coming, and this year no. Europe ain't gonna have the same amount of money that they can pour into their system to subsidize for energy this year. And by the way, last year was a very warm, if I'm correct, a very warm winter. And so we didn't necessarily have to use the energy that you needed in Europe like you did in years past. You go from a very, very warm winter to a very, very cold winter. And look, the reality is that wakes people up. You want to get people on the streets protesting, you just tell them that in 20-degree weather, they can't put their heat on. You do that, you're going to start seeing people protest. I mean, you're, you're already seeing the rationing going on in California, Germany. You're seeing this weird... I mean, let's not even... Let's talk about South Africa. I mean, they're literally experiencing. We don't we don't talk about South Africa because it's essentially a failed state at this point. They're they're having rolling blackouts essentially, like in some places in the country, eighteen hours a day. So it's like you have countries that are quite literally starting to collapse from within, where they can't even. And that's you know South Africa, which is not by no means a third world country, but it's starting to look like one. And. A lot of places in America are going to start looking like a third world country as well. Well, yeah, I mean, we, I, I'm always, I'll, I'll try to stay uh, positive on it. Um, I would say that ultimately energy is a huge thing in the world in terms of if you want to get, even even people who hold very high positions of power, they kind of know that if you start messing around with energy a little bit too much, you're going to lose votes. I mean, it's the reason why well, that's, Joe... That's, that's, why, that's why I think they're going to kind of try to, you know, you see this around election time. Um how things get crazy during election time like the protest especially in america you know the protest starts to ramp up so it's like oh i see that george soros is uh you know sent funneling more money to antifa or whatever so that they can and there's seems to be like there's seems to me like a new uh, body cam uh, video came out of a of a, a black guy getting shot by a police officer. Hmm, in, I wonder why it's so conveniently placed around election time. Well, you know, I would so, say too. Did you ever notice that some of these videos are already on the books for several months and they don't release yeah. it, and then all of a and sudden, come out. at a particular right, time, that's when they're released. I don't think people realize that, yeah. but a lot of the stuff that they see on TV and they see on social media aren't videos that took place last night. They were videos. They, this was information that was already known. What? It was just a coincidence that all of a sudden it was released a couple of months after the actual situation. Something that people should kind of pay attention to. I don't think people have learned their lessons. I will say yeah. that in this particular election coming forward, if you're not going to be able to ballot harvest and you're not going to be able to work the mail-in ballot system, if you're a Republican out there, I'm sorry, it's a lost cause. Unless it's, it's, a, it's almost a lost cause for you. Um, you remember, when it comes yeah. down to this election, you're only really looking at three states. You're looking at three states, Sean, and that's pretty much it. You're looking at Pennsylvania, you're looking at Arizona, and you're looking at, I hate to say it, Georgia. If you want to say Michigan instead, that's fine. But the reality yeah. is, is that's it. I think you're looking at three states. Yeah. And if 
if you ultimately, if those three states go red, then the presidency goes red. And if those three right. states right. go blue, presidency goes blue. And that's where yeah. all your resources should be kind of poured into. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, let, let me let me just make a last point, final point, to circle back to Trump, essentially. Yeah. Kind of circling back to use the, the parlance of our, of our White House uh, press secretaries. Uh, so, essentially... Trump, yeah, Trump is an interesting character because he sort of represents this um, very taboo subject of of national nationalism and populism, which is um, the you know the cathedral, the elites. They only like it when it's when it's when it's the nations that we've chose that should should be nationalistic and populistic, right? Not not us, not Russia. You know, they shouldn't be nationalistic and populistic. Popular. We're supposed to be globalist, right? We're supposed to be globalist. We're supposed to be all about open borders and all this new. You're supposed to be totally on board with everything that the gay alphabet mafia tries to push on us. Which, by the way, is kind of disrespectful to you know plenty of gay people I know who don't want to be associated with the the LGBT XYZ uh, agenda. You know, so it's 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 very much a um, and Trump calls it out. Uh, he he's really the only person in his position who calls it out. And obviously, I got plenty of problems with Trump. You know, lots of problems with Trump as a as a small government libertarian anarchist reactionary. I don't even know what I'd call myself these days. But um, you know, but Trump really is the only guy who has that much amount of power who is is willing to call out the cathedral and uh, and the establishment. And and for that, he he is hated. They hate him. You know, and, and the media, they he he because he is a thorn in their side. So yeah, obviously it might not even be Trump that these people are buying shirts for. It's essentially to say f you to the to the aristocracy to the to the ruling class. They're going, hey, you don't like this guy? You know, same thing. Same thing with like um um uh, what the, who's the guy in uh, in Hungary? Uh, you know, they hate they hate him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Victor Orban. Or uh, or in Poland, you know, they're they're the left is just is fuming because they're like, you know, they're they're national, they're more nationalistic and they want to protect their borders. Well, it's very. I mean, look, it's exactly what happens when you start from the premise that religion is ultimately a figment of your imagination. It starts with that basic idea. If you believe ultimately that all 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 religions are some man-made garbage. That really need to be purged from our society so that we can peacefully log- live in a logical, scientific manner. Then ultimately, everything that you see makes sense because what what happened was ultimately is you took religion. You said we no longer want to be religious countries. We no longer want religious beliefs to be the the subject of of attention, the subject of debate. And again, people can make a good argument as to why they why it should be the center, why it should not. But the reality is, we made the decision. We made the decision to take religious ideas interpretations, mm-hmm. institutions, and we sidelined them because we thought, okay, this is the new era of paganism. Now, the Romans did paganism and they turned into an egregious culture. However, <laughs> yeah, we, are much more, we are much more enlightened. We are a much more smart, sophisticated uh, uh, society now. And we won't make the same mistakes that other pagan, situation, uh, pagan uh, civilizations have made in the past. We went from a religious society to a pagan society. And that's where it all started. So anyone who decides to say, wait a second, it's important that we go back to our religious roots. Maybe that church over there should not be turned into a dance club. 
right, right? right? Maybe it's not a good sign if all our churches are turning into museums while Russia is building monasteries on a monthly basis. Or maybe we should ask the question, why is Russia, after suffering a hundred years of communism, turning back to their religious roots? Are they stupid? Right. Are they right. dumb? Or is there something going on there in which they've learned their lesson from, in which they want to get back to? Have we, have we decided to humble ourselves? The answer is no. The answer is, yeah. we kind of are that pagan country, we are that pagan institution that says, you know, we kind of like Christianity, but we don't like the hard stuff in it. We don't like the, the judgment stuff. But, you know, overall, we kind of feel like a lot of the religious people are nice people, but we don't want their main ideas to be influencing the major zeitgeist of the day. And so as a result, as a result, anyone who has a borders language church kind of platform will be looked upon as directly what you mentioned. And, you know, that is ultimately a country that is a throwback, a country that has lost touch with reality, a country that is delusional, a country that is believing in myths and fairy tales and quote-unquote nonsense. And it's all done from this kind of elitist mentality that we have moved beyond religious beliefs. We've moved beyond religious identities. The problem is, is that you don't have a foundation to stand on. Ultimately, a pagan society... You're good, you're good. Ultimately, a pagan society doesn't have a foundation. Okay, fine. You want to talk shit about someone who reads the Bible. What's the book that you're reading? And you tell me why your book you think is more credible than that book. Because I'm pretty sure your book came from that book. But you go tell me why... You go tell me why your book, why you think your music is more special and more sacred and more sovereign than ultimately that book. And then all of a sudden you put someone on the spot there and they don't want to say it. Look, I've said this for many years. No one wants to hear it. When I hear the words, I'm not really religious. You know, I'm spiritual. I know it's ultimately, and I got in a fun, friendly, friendly, uh, not debate, argument, whatever you want to call it. It's another way of someone saying, I like the idea of believing there's a God, but I don't like judgment. Mm-hmm. So there's this like idea. The, I don't like the hard stuff. I don't like the, or I like to pick and choose when I want to stop believing something and when I want to start believing yeah. something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is what we've called designer Christianity, right? Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, you could say it's the result of Protestantism, where there's like forty thousand different denominations of churches now, all kind of giving their own interpretation of what's going on. But ultimately, all I'm trying to say to get back to the point is what you are seeing now, what you are witnessing in our culture, and there are. Parts of our culture that do a better job of preserving the past than others. But you're seeing this idea of we have moved beyond our religious roots and we are now into the new brave new world. And so anyone who tries to bring back the roots, anyone who tries to bring back the religious significance of the past is ultimately not just a threat, but someone who needs to be removed from discussion has to be removed from holding any type of leadership position because, quote-unquote, they can't be taken seriously. Or, Mm -hmm. even worse, in my opinion, is they will stop the progress that we are making in technology. And I think, ultimately, to wrap this thing up, that ultimately is why religion at this point in in the world is so important. Because we are witnessing a massive expansion in technology 
And what will be the number one group that will actually be telling people, hey, you might want to put some brakes on this stuff? It's going to be the religious groups in the world. They're going to say, look, guys, man, you don't know what you're dealing with here. You want to progress, 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 progress. Have you ever thought about where you're going with this? Have you ever thought about asking a basic question? What does it mean to be a human being? And is your technology helping or hurting our identity as a species in this world? And so I think that's ultimately a lot of where you get the anti-religion stuff from. Is And it's a good argument to make. I understand why people make it. You saw it with stem cell research. You saw it with several things that have happened in the past. Uh, uh, Sundays, people working on Sundays. The idea is we are now progressing into a new age. In order to do so, we need to leave some of our religious beliefs behind so that we can be a more faster, stronger, smarter population and allow technology to take control over certain aspects of our lives. And that is why we need to push you religious people to the side. I understand the logic in terms of why they're doing it. I don't think they have totally, fully thought through the consequences of making that decision. Mm. Can I can, can I comment on that? Absolutely. <clears throat> so there's a lot there, and actually, I I I I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, I, let me give the my perspective as a person who is not religious or spiritual. Um, it, it, it's funny how the left and the postmodern postmodernism and progressives in general. They have this attitude like, okay, well, we don't, we no longer need religion, and so we're going to have a secular society. And yet, they seem to not realize that human beings are inherently religious. Like we search for, we search for meaning, and we search for meta narratives, and we and and uh, and uh, and the 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 deep archetypes of the human experience, which are are deep uh, are a very important part of the of the human story right that's we cannot transcend that we are human beings you know we we are not robots we're not ai and this is part of human nature now what you see today is essentially progressives they believe in a, a religion it's a secular religion that's what progressivism is that's what and we can see that wokeness is a like splinter zealot group of fanatics who have broken off from this progressive religion and it's a religion because i mean in in a sense that it has these pillars of thought which are uh unfalsifiable you have to take them on faith things like equity and equality and diversity and progress and materialism and determinism these are things that you can't argue with a progressive on like you can't say they'll go oh yeah no everyone's equal and, and you go like what, what does that even mean like what if everyone's equal why is zimbabwe like why is mugabe you know why is mugabe in zimbabwe like why is that doing so badly and the country of Denmark is doing great. Like, what what do you mean by equal, right? And I, and you ask like a, and I'm not even trying to, you know, I, I, I'm not even trying to come to any conclusions. But you can't if you ask a progressive that they're like, they clutch their pearls and they lose their mind. They're like, how could you ever suggest that? Da 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 da. Right. Right. So it's like, those are the those those are unfalsifiable. They they can never. They can never; um, those things are a matter of faith for them. Right. right. All of the progressive beliefs, and then with wokeness, it gets really, really like zealous because there's the original sin, which is privilege. 
which is being white or being a male or whatever, you know, whatever. And then being saved is being like a victim group, essentially. So what you have is you have a new religion that is, but it, it, it kind of holds all of the trappings of old religions, but it misses one crucial thing, which is forgiveness and grace and transcendence, right? Like those, those are the things that exist in the old Abrahamic religions. And another thing that exists in the old Abrahamic, Abrahamic religions, which I'm finding a new, as I get older, I find new found respect for is the fact is pragmatism. I mean, we, I, I, I look at like religious Muslim families or, or, or not, they don't even have to be religious, even just considered considering moderate Muslim families or, or Orthodox Christian families, traditional Christian families. And you look at the state of the family in America and it's abysmal, right? Half of marriages end in divorce. Um, boys are, boys are just are feminized or they get addicted to porn or video games and they become depressed, suicidal ideation, anxiety, same thing with girls. They end up on only fans that feminism tells them that they're supposed to be more like men, which is wildly anti anti-feminine, you know? And so you, and then, and then if, if they have autism or if they have body dysmorphia, then they go down this rabbit hole of being told that it's okay for them to cut off their genitals and take hormones, which, you know, if we were talking about any other type of a body dysphoria, we would say, oh my God, you know, you feel like you, you shouldn't have an arm, like, okay, you need to seek medical attention. But when it comes to the genitals, then it's, oh no, you're, you're, you're a hero. You need to, you need to transition, right? We need to support you, right? So this is, I mean, we don't see any of this in traditional families and, and those families and those institutions which are moored by, yes, the t- traditional Abrahamic religion. And so you know, when, I, when I talk with other uh, atheists about this or when I talk with progressives about this, they're like, oh, but Sean, that's so Victorian. That's so, and, I, and I say to them, I go, and what's, and what's wrong with that? You know, like they 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 have this idea of progress that it's like a line that goes up with time. And as things progress and things get more permissive, that's a good thing. And I'm going, wait, pump the brakes. We can see objectively that they are not, you know, (laughs) and so I've also had people like ask themselves, Mm -hmm. how have the medieval ages been portrayed? And I think most people would say negative. And I say, what if you're wrong? I'd say, what if yeah. you're wrong? What if from 500 to 1500, it wasn't as negative as you thought? Not saying there weren't yeah. problems, but what if you were wrong? What if you can actually look back no, at that time and I've see been, progress? I've been thinking about this a lot, John. And, and, and I look back I'm at that, and I'm like, last time I checked, the Cathedral of Notre Dame, yeah, it wasn't built in the <laughs> Enlightenment. Some of the most beautiful cities that you see in Europe, some of those beautiful monasteries that you saw constructed, some of the inventions that took place, some of the reading and the, the writing, some of the writings that have taken place in this in the world, they did not take place in the Enlightenment. They did not take place in the progressive era. They took place in the quote-unquote dark ages, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. if you look at how the dark the dark ages are portrayed, you see, dark. It's in the it's in the name. Dark. They're, they're dark, and they are absolutely meant to make people think that the way the world works is, you had the Roman Empire, then all of a sudden you had the Roman Empire merge with this thing called the Catholic Church, 
and for a thousand years they enslaved people until people started thinking for themselves freely. We had an abundance of technology that absolutely progressed us in this prosper in this age of prosperity in which we still benefit from today. And we have to remind ourselves of this so that if anyone comes along and starts quoting St. Augustine, St. Justinian, St. Ambrose, starts talking about the monastic life, starts talking about the importance of prayer and fasting and discipline. Talk, 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 talking, about, talking about Aquinas. Go, or uh, young women maybe joining a, uh, a, a joining a convent. I think that's convent. the right word. Yeah, yeah. So all of this has to be avoided. And... You know, like I said, I'm I'm very much a local monarchist, national anarchist, <laughs> national anarchist, and I'll tell you why. Because I think that's what Europe was when Europe when Europe was at its best. It was ultimately national anarchy, local monarchies. Look yeah, at Germany yeah. before it was united. Germany had local monarchs, your kings, your castle, whatever the case is. And it's so interesting because we say, oh, but back then they had a pyramid system. You had the king on the top. And then you had, the, and then you had the nobles, and you had the and the church. You know, you had the church and the nobles, yeah, yeah. and it's like okay. And today, question mark? Like we don't, we have a pyramid, dude. We have a pyramid, right? The only difference is, uh, it's just called by different names. And so this, yeah. And it's so interesting that in order for their narrative, the new pagan narrative, to ultimately work, it has to make sure. That it shapes history in this way. It can't for one second sure, sure. Yeah, go back it, and it say the Marxist oppression, uh, the right. Marxist oppression model. Yeah. Right, and That's so and so it, it's a fascinating thing to think about. You know, one of the things that you said about a religion, it's very interesting that um, when you look at what's going on in the woke world, a lot of times we made fun of Christians that said, well, because the Bible says so. And if the Bible says so, shut up and that's the way it is, right? And a classic example of this is, you know, I think God says, and let there be light. And then on the third day, he creates the stars. And there's a classic line in the Dostoevsky model where a smart-ass kid says, if God created the light on the first day, where did it come from? Because the stars were created on the third day. And it gets smacked over the head, you know? And it's like, if you kind of bring that type of logic, right, to the average person in the DEI club, They'll smack you in the head and be like, shut up, stop it. And I'll give yeah. you an example. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if, how, if you, you say, how dare you question our, our woke authorities? Correct. Yeah. And that's where that's where it's dead on in terms of religious idea. I don't want to say – I would say a religious fundamentalist idea where there is no room for discussion. I think that has to be made very clear. It's definitely more of a religious yeah, fundamentalist type attitude yeah. where it says it so therefore it's true. And it's not open for discussion. Or debate, yeah. or conversation. It, 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 let, let, let me jump in here and make a comment, a quick comment about that. It, yeah. It's funny how you'll you'll hear progressives and liberals talk about kind of how you know, especially how Christians are intransigent and they're just so, and 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 you know, the Bible is just so brutal. And I go, I mean, you can read the Bible as a literal thing, and it's brutal. But if you really, if you read it with like philosophy and insight and understanding that, okay, human beings had different value systems throughout history. That that's, that's a much, <laughs> much different way of seeing, of but, seeing things. Right? But also like, like if, most if you, people can't answer yeah. the question. Like I have a question for those people. So you don't like the stuff in the Bible. Don't you find it interesting that I agree there's a crazy story and you think it makes quote unquote, someone look bad. Okay. Uh -huh. 
Don't you think that if these were a bunch of religious fundamentalists that wanted to try to make up this magical story to make them look good, don't you think they would have taken that story and said, "Oh shit, we can't, we can't use that." They didn't. The Bible didn't do that. The Bible didn't say, "Oh man, this story." I don't know, man. People are going to start questioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's fascinating about the book is that ultimately there are several moments, whether you read the Gospels and you hear what Jesus says, that you're like, oh, I don't know. You sure you want to put that scene in there? It's like they did not. Right. They they left everything in there. And so that's my point is that like when someone says, but I can't believe they did so-and-so, I'm like, well, don't you think it's interesting that they decided to keep that story in the Bible? Like, don't you think, don't you realize they had the authority to say that story should go out because it makes us look bad and they decided not to do that? And then like, they just kind of look at you with like four heads. And that happens a lot in life. And I think it really it adds to the credibility of anyone out there who decides to ultimately make sure that they include the entire story, even if that entire story doesn't necessarily help them. And that's a very big, important part of life. And when people realize like, oh, this person had the chance to edit this particular section and they didn't edit it and they kept it in there and they told the whole story, even if it didn't make it make them look good, that definitely speaks to their credibility. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think ultimately, Sean, when someone keeps those stories in there and doesn't back away, back away from them, they add credibility. Bottom line, they add credibility. But, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. people don't see it that way. Yeah. You know, I mean, an important thing, and this is how I'm increasingly looking at institutions and traditions, you know, like let's, we'll go back to the family, right? As one that is, is beleaguered right now and in a lot of trouble, you know, you, you'll, I'll, I've, I've argued with feminists before about this, where they say, you know, you know, marriage was created to enslave women and to keep them from owning property. And to that, I say, do you really believe that an institution that has lasted for thousands of years across many, many different cultures all over the globe, even before the Rosetta Stone existed and before, you know, before people could communicate with one another, that the, the, the institution of marriage popped up. It wasn't the only one. Like Caesar describes the Celts in Britain having kind of a polygamous system. And those systems all devolved into violence because men and women are not the same. The, the women are hypergamous. They go after the most high-value men. And then all of the ma- all of the males who are not alpha males, they end up dejected and violent, right? And so those societies fall apart. So isn't it possible that the nuclear family system came about to protect women, to protect the interests of women from to keeping men from ro- roving around and, like, you know, essentially welching on their on their responsibility of being fathers and and it isn't it, you know if it was a system marriage was a system that was ultimately bad and corrupt w- wouldn't the women half the planet have like gotten out of dodge you know it's just well how about it, this like you, if marriage you, if marriage is such a bad mm-hmm. thing and it's based and it was it, it was quote unquote based on a religious idea that you don't believe in let's just get rid of marriage Oh no, we can't do that because then women can't get divorced and take half the stuff of the man. Oh, well, that's right. yeah, we sure it's, we it's, it's, if it, Johnny, if it didn't work for you know, think this is how I see it. 
things don't work splendidly for thousands of years and then all of a sudden they don't. That's just not how an institution happens. This is a failure of our culture. This is a fa- people go, ah, you know, marriage is it, it failed us. It's like, no, no, you've if I give you a recipe for baking a pie and this recipe has been in my family for 10 generations and then you bake the pie and it comes out bad it's not the recipe <laughs> it's you you effed up you know what i mean yeah so it's 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 very nar- it's also it's very narcissistic to believe that yeah we can just jettison all of the wisdom of the past because we figured things out now you know starting right. in 1968 or whenever whatever the sexual revolution was it's like how how long has human history been going do you really think that we are unique and we are special and we are unlike and, and ask anybody throughout history they will say the same thing they will right. believe that they are living in a uniquely special time you right. know i mean it's it's just but, we're not we're not particularly special we're not that's and then people don't like don't like hearing that they right. like to feel they're special yeah but you know you're asking a specific generation out there to admit something that is almost in American terms, sacrilege, and that is the 1960s were actually a net negative and a net positive. And yeah, that, no, they don't want to hear and, that. And when you're ultimately looking at the boomer generation and what went on in the 60s, and now that they have institutional power, there are two things that they have to admit. Number one, they lost the Cold War because they forgot their identity. They forgot who they were as a human being. And it's very painful for a lot of boomers right now to see us losing to a country like China and Russia. And the stubbornness the pride of admitting the fact that, you know what? We spent too much. We got greedy. We built up a military. We destroyed family values. And we refuse to wake up in the morning and say we were wrong and that we fell off the road. I find it fascinating today that all of those boomers who are in institutional powers, they haven't done two things. They haven't admitted the fact that Russia has prepared itself better than America for their identity in the coming years. And they're watching Russia actually continue to survive. And it just pisses them off so much because you can feel it in their voice. Like this was a, this was an enemy that was supposed to be defeated in the nineties. And we tried to push and push and push. And we thought we had them. And now we start seeing them actually go the other direction. And now they're getting stronger. And now they're dealing with China. And now they're making deals in the Middle East. How is it that this country we thought we defeated, that our country, that our generation could take pride? Because remember, the boomers, they can't take pride in shit. You know, like, they weren't the ones that defeated the Nazis. Okay? They weren't the, the... What they did was what? They were the ones that under Reagan tear down this wall. We were the ones who defeated Russia. Well, you pushed, you pushed, you pushed. You forgot to actually have a strong identity inside of your country to make sure that it has cultural values, family values that are important, that are strong for the next generation to thrive. And you push that aside for some cheap economic prosperity based on debt, 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 credit, credit, credit. And as a result, you see things falling apart here. And instead of admitting with humility that you overstretched, okay, your reach, that you ultimately weren't smarter, stronger, better, more civilized than Russia. And oh, by the way, your values that you taught in the 60s didn't necessarily lead to, lead to all net positives. Until that generation has a come to Jesus moment, yeah, they're going to be yeah. very disappointed. They're going to be very disappointed. Now, I, so, 
Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, what I was going to finish with DeSantis and uh, Trump, because I think oh, that's okay, always no, let's, a... Let's, let, let, let me just comment on what you, Go ahead. you just said. Go ahead. Because you, you, you hit on something really profound there, and that is that we kind of lost our, our, our national, our cultural identity for, you know, a, 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 a handful of... A handful of shekels, you know, a handful of dollars, whatever, you, whatever kind of parlance you want to use for for a bag of money, bag of shells, and that comes from. It's funny because you know I'll, I'll argue with progressives on this, and they'll go, "Well, that's capitalism," and I go, "No, that's not capitalism. You're talking about materialism. You're talking about the mentality of line go up, therefore all things are good, right? Like the money is coming in, so therefore things are great. Listen, I'm, I'm all for money coming in." But if you have no underlying principles or culture to kind of to, to base your civilization off of, and it's only based off of materialism, you're screwed. You're screwed. And this quite literally is a holdover of Marxism. This is exactly what the what Marx preached. This is exactly what Engels was materialism. It was oh, if the workers have more better wages, then poverty is is done. And crime is there's there's no more right. And if we just give everyone free health care, then no one dies, right? And if we just give everyone houses, no more homelessness. This is a this is, and this is still how progressives think today. It's the materialist model, and, and oh yes, money, yes, money is the, is going to solve all the problems. It's funny how much they talk about how greedy capitalists are, and this is the most shallow greedy way of thinking that you could possibly you could possibly imagine you know yeah i'll give an example give an example look at japan right in 1991 their their asset bubble burst and the economy effectively collapsed and i think from 1993 to 2007 or 2008 japan's economy shrunk by a tune of like five trillion dollars right and since then since 2008 you know, which is barely what you know, fifteen years ago or something. Right? Since then, they have been limping along at economic growth of around one percent a year. Right, Johnny? If that were France or America or Canada, like they would be like, "This is a disaster! Only one percent economic growth. This is just this is unprecedented." And yet, Japan has been having this very meager growth and meanwhile their population is shrinking so they got all this stuff going against it in terms of number numbers economics not the materialism fact right they don't even you know produce their they stopped their nuclear production right they're importing their 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 energy and yet john i've been there five times right it's the safest place in the world if you lose your laptop right if you lose your laptop on the train, it will get back to you. If you drop your wallet on the street, it will get back to you. The level of the, I mean, the degree of harmony and peace that you feel. And the fact that you, you might not have a lot of money, but you really don't feel the economic strain because you have this incredible sense of just of, of, of order and peace and the welcoming sense of, of just how the Japanese are, you, all of, and yet on on paper the numbers say, "Oh, Japan is, oh, they're not doing great," and yet it's like, well, they seem to be doing much better than uh, all of these Western countries who are putting on record record profits. And so this, I mean, this is if you want 
evidence of the fact that materialism is fake, it, it, look no further than Japan because it shows you that it's, it's culture, it's values, it's national unity. These are the things that make a country great, not economic line going up, right? And I'm, I mean, I, I'm a proud capitalist. I love talking about like trying to make line go up, but it's like if you have that without a cultural national identity and, and strong values, then you're done. You're Correct. you're 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 Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what I mean? Like right. you're finished. I remember. So it was actually I have it pulled up here. October of 2015. I said Russia is winning because the, at the dawn of the 21st century. President Putin understood that more important than the preservation of his country's financial, economic, and military interests was the preservation of Russian culture. This is why he is so popular. It is not because he is making every Russian rich. It is because he is preserving their nation by preserving their culture. I do not envy Russia. I would never trade my citizenship for any country. But I think it is wise for people to read about past and current events and think about the consequences we will face if our culture is not kept. It's going to be the number one identity. There's a reason why Jesus Christ says, what profit is it for man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Ultimately, the United States made a deal with the devil, and the deal was we're going to give you the world, but you're going to have to give me your soul. And that's what we did. That's what we did, and now we're reaping the consequences of making that deal. Of course, there's always a chance for redemption. There's always a chance for a second half comeback. For the United States to kind of finish off with DeSantis, uh, DeSantis Trump. Look, I also speaking of articles, I put my thoughts down, and you know what I said was I actually think it's an easy an easy path to victory for DeSantis. I don't think it's a very difficult one. Um, I pretty much said that he has to play his game. He can't try to play Trump's. Uh, ultimately. Yes, you're not. You don't need to be charismatic. You don't need to be someone who's all about the personality. Let Trump be the charismatic, personal guy. You're about policy. You're about small groups. You're about going to the local. You're about taking photos with the local farmer, and sitting down with you know six Marines and you know uh, ten Navy SEAL officers and having a conversation, because he is from the military and he has a background. I, bottom line is is that he can ask some very basic questions. Look, I mean, who did? ultimately Trump surround himself with. If he has such a great knack and great instincts, why was he surrounding himself with guys like John Bolton and, uh, yeah. and, and, and Lord Fauci? Yeah. Um, the the yeah. point is, is the, that... The swamp. Yeah, right. The swamp. I mean, it, it, when it comes down to the vaccine, you said that it was safe and effective. Was it safe and effective? Have you looked at Jamie Foxx recently? Like, mm -hmm. there yeah. are arguments that he can make, but the people that are obviously running this campaign have no clue what they're doing or they purposely, you know... <laughs> Are they purposely running it to the ground? Um, I, I always thought, look, I, I'm be very vocal about this, Sean. Again, he makes a mistake. With Trump, with this indictment, man, if I was DeSantis, I'd be saying, look, here's the deal. Trump, stay in the state of Florida, and I will make it very clear that if you are a federal official, a federal agent, and you dare try to arrest this guy, I will call upon every militiaman and National Guardsman in this state and remove you, and remove you immediately. There are a lot of things that he could do that would help him. I don't know who's talking into his ear. I actually do believe I would like someone that's more policy than personality. I don't like the idea of a person becoming a demagogue. I also know that the more they try to jail Trump, cripple Trump, break Trump, Oh, he's abuse Trump, you're just going to make people like me more sympathetic to his cause, to his candidacy, yeah. 
And whether he likes it or not, there's really nothing you can do about it if you are a contender. If they left him alone and Trump and DeSantis are on that debate stage, I think he absolutely can nail Trump with a few questions that I don't think so far Trump has been able uh, that he's he's been able to answer. Now I've said this in previous shows as well, but there are a couple of basic questions that I absolutely believe that 